Welcome to the International Teacher Podcast with your host, Matt the Family Guy, Kent the Cat Guy, and me, Greg the Single Guy. We are recording episodes from around the globe to tell you about the best kept secret in education. That's right, it's teaching overseas. We're glad to have you join us. This Welcome to the International Teacher Podcast. I am Greg, the single guy, and I'm joined by fresh off vacation, Kent, the Maldives cat guy. And Matt is still on vacation, I think, so Matt, the family guy, won't be joining us. Uh, how you doing, Kent? I'm great. I was the only cat in the Maldives. Didn't see a single cat for the entire week. You just saw fruit bats or something. Well, I tell you uh... what, Kent... I saw a lot of chickens and a lot of shorebirds and a lot of sand and a lot of water. A couple turtles, a dolphin, and one did bat. You, That's all they got there, one bat. Did you meet anybody from Singapore or maybe is currently living in Singapore? Uh, wait, wait a minute. Uh, no, not Singapore. Uh, Sri Lanka. Is that right? Is that the capital of uh, Sri Lanka? Is that Colombo? Yes, it is. Well, then tons of people from Sri Lanka were, were there, but uh, not uh, Singapore. But I understand that we're going to get a chance to get to know someone very well from Singapore. Actually, we're going to get to know him because we just met him about three minutes ago. I would like to welcome David Schneer, and he's working at a school in Singapore currently, and we know nothing about him. Welcome to the show, David. Well, thank you very much for, for having me. I'm, I'm very uh, pleased to be here. I, I can't wait to find out what happens. Well, you're going <laughs> to laugh, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, you'll at least laugh at, at Kent, right? <laughs> I usually get edited out, so just ignore whatever I say. Dave, uh, where do you call home? Oh, goodness. We're going to start there. Um, I, I, uh, that's, a, that's a very difficult question to answer. Um, I've been abroad now Are for... Are you in the witness <laughs> protection program? Is that part of the problem? Well, part of the program... Uh, says that I can't really mention what program I'm in. <laughs> okay, yeah, the home can be complicated. Where, where, where are you? Uh, where were you born? Originally, I'm from Texas, um, which is sometimes considers itself part of the United States. And yeah. uh, I, uh, I left uh, Texas soon after um, graduating from university and moved to Japan, and lived there and I, um, for in total been back and forth, but in total it's about 15 years, so uh, I've been in Singapore for uh, about 10 years now, so home is somewhere between um, those, those three countries. <laughs> okay, so let me see if I get this straight. So Texas for about 10 years. Texas, I was born in Texas and, and I left after university. You left, so you went to all the way I did not graduate university when I was 10. <laughs> so uh, you went all the way through, uh, where, which college you go to in Texas? Uh, I, you wouldn't know it. Um, Southern Methodist. Okay. Is that SMU? Yes, it is. Okay. You know, I, I, when I was in my teen years or younger, SMU had, uh, you know, they had that football team and they got uh, uh, swiped badly and they called, it the, they called it the death sentence back then. Is that right, SMU? Well, this is right. And so anytime that I say I'm from Dallas, I get um, one, usually one response. Oh, yes, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And then anytime I say I'm from, uh, you know, I graduated from Southern Methodist as an undergrad, they say, oh, yeah, your football team was in a lot of trouble. So Yeah, um, I think Texas took yeah. the second one harder. <laughs> okay, we can edit that and post if we need, if we need to. What do you think, Greg? <laughs> Greg, we can't hear you. Greg, you've gone mute. Talk about yeah. witness protection. We can no longer hear you. No. Oh, yeah. Go your, back your on. mic's. Uh... All right. Can there we go. There now. you are. You're yeah. back. I think it's it's a small world out there. I David, I lived a hundred years ago in Dallas, and I worked for Warner <gasps> Brothers Studio Stores back when they had them and sold Bucks Bunny T-shirts and stuff and artwork. No way. I went and said I'm going to learn Spanish, so I took a Spanish course at night at SMU. I'm pretty proud of that. So it's wow. one of the many hundreds of colleges that I've taken a course from. So yes, I can I can feel you there. Did you did you ever teach in the states? No, no. Um, literally three months after graduating university, I went to uh, teach in Japan. 
and never All right, went back hold on, to this. back up a second. What did you? Hold on a second. What did you study at university? He studied education. <laughs> Are you sure? Let's find out. Do we um, even need I, you for the interview? We could just talk about it. <laughs> can't let <laughs> <me> talk. <laughs> yeah, Feel free to make up so you go any... to university. What do you study at uh, SMU? I studied, uh, I majored in uh, English literature, and I have oh, a, oh, yeah, a, minor, a minor in music, and I, do, I also uh, did education as part of that so that uh, I could get my teaching license. So you did. I'm going to say this. Listen, I'm going to edit this out in a second here, Kent. We have to calm down. We're making him uncomfortable. You keep interrupting him. No, no, no. You're so not. do I. We're like this. We're, we're terrible. I, I've been it's, researching. I've had lots of time alone and researching about podcasts, and Kent keeps interrupting you. <laughs> i got to turn his volume. I'm going to edit him out completely. See you, Kent. Bye. <laughs> nice to meet you, David. How good to be That was Kent. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Why don't you guys do it without me and just make up say, information? Why don't you let me know when I can speak? <laughs> <laughs> All right, because we're going to get this back. Huh? All right, as usual, I'll get this back on track. So you do, you get certified to teach in the U.S. And then do you apply to uh, teach in Texas or you just get on the, um, the plane for Japan? How does that happen? Um, well, I got hired straight out of university to... Uh, this, uh, to teach in, um, in Eikaiwa, which is uh, a language school. And it was a pretty good deal for, for a, um, a university grad. They set you up with a job and, and, uh, and they give you a place to live and insurance and you know a, a nice little bubble of a life. And so um, that's what I did. And I, I, I lasted for about uh, eight months. And then I went on to bigger and better, <laughs> better things. That wasn't a very nice thank you to the company, I suppose. But. So when you say you went on to bigger and better things, you stayed in Japan for about 10 years. Is that right? Uh, total, I was in Japan uh, for about 15. But I've been, back and, I've been back and forth. So after the language school, I went on to, um, to teach at a... Uh, it was, uh, I don't know how to translate it exactly. It was an English language college, I guess is a good translation, where, we, where I taught adults and, well, I, also uh, high school kids, university students, but it was um, older students for sure. And I was there for, I think, uh, five years. Um, but it was a really, really cool place. Um, the, uh, so check this out. Uh, the, one of the drawing points, one of the selling points of the school was that any time a student spoke English, they were required to pay the school uh, 1,000 yen, which is about the equivalent of $10. And that wasn't only if they spoke English on the premises, it was if they spoke English on the block that the school was on. And that attracted quite a few, uh, quite a few students. And another component of the school was that we, they had to take a drama class where they made their own drama and produced their own drama and acted in their own drama. And it was a, a very eccentric school. Um, I'd never, I, and to this day, I've never seen anything like it. And I was there for quite a while. So you ended up leaving that school. What made you Oh, move no, Kent, there's them? more. Uh, after that I went to a uh, Japanese uh, private high school do you guys know do you you know what a magnet school is sure yes yeah Um, so it was basically a magnet school for uh, languages and this is an American term I don't know if there's I'm sure there are Uh, it's a school where the specialization is uh, on a certain subject right and our special subject was languages so of course our biggest focus at the high school was uh, English but we also taught uh, what was it Russian and um, Korean I believe and I was there for about uh, five years and then after that I jumped into uh, international school teaching Wow, Greg, am I mistaken, or is that the wildest route we've heard uh, to an international school yet? I think it rates right up there. I think, David, it's it's fascinating that you've gone. I have I haven't heard of this kind of like the first school you mentioned that you went overseas to Japan. I I hope you give me the link so we can uh, share that out with people. I know that there's lots of different avenues to get into stu- into teaching overseas. 
but that was it's a great story i love how you've gotten into it and and let's continue a little bit with your international teaching then so did you go right to singapore where you are now or did you go teach somewhere else i went in right to school setting yeah yeah, so um, I'd been in Japan, and then it was just uh, it was time to. Uh, I thought it was time for to leave. So we'd been to Singapore um, several times, mainly as a stopover when we were my um, my wife and I were uh, visiting uh, Thailand, and we always ended up stopping over in Singapore, and we're just impressed with it. And I thought that's where I want to live. That's where that's where I want to work. And my wife said, can "Well, that's I, great can, for you. Um, what I about jump me?" In here for a second? <laughs> Did, sure. Where along the way, I know I'm going to interrupt you, but just where on the way did the yeah. wife come into the picture? I just, it just seemed to me as if the cast got bigger all of a sudden, and I wasn't sure, was I in the bathroom? I'm not sure. <laughs> when did you get married? Um, well, we've, we, we'd started dating soon after um, I moved to Japan, and we had, uh, we'd been together for a while. We ended up getting married in 2002 while I was at okay, the... Okay, uh, is she the Japanese national? Yes, yep. Yes, okay. Yep. Yes. So, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm ready to move to Singapore, and I said, we're moving to Singapore, and she said, what? <laughs> yep. and, um, and the deal was that, okay, if we're gonna move to Singapore, then she said, uh, I get to come home and visit family you know, every, every month or every three months. And I thought, all right, well, if, that, if, that's, if that's what we're going to have to do, then fine. And we moved to Singapore, and that was my, uh, I, I was, that was my first international school. And um, I had to remind her a year later to come back to Japan to visit her family because she'd, forgot, she'd forgotten all about it. <laughs> I love that. That is brilliant. Now, was she working? Uh, what was she doing in Singapore? Yeah, she was. Um, um, she was. She was working a bit here and there. Uh, nothing. I think nothing full time. Um, yeah. 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 Oh, is that me now, Ken? <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing. There's a lot there's of editing going probably on. Probably that she'd want, want me to, to. I could probably find her and pull her on if you guys wanted to talk to her, but I assure you, I'm far more interesting. So, can I, can I put you both on the. I'd like to put you both on the spot because you know who has been studying Japanese is Kent. And oh, really? he okay. loves a lot of things about Japan and Japanese language and culture. So I was wondering, can I put you both on the spot and feel free to talk about me if you want? But can you guys throw a little uh, Japanese in this? Sure. Uh, just how about uh, just uh, uh, David san, ogeki desu ka? Hi. Hi, genki genki desu. Genki desu. Genki desu. Sore, sore dake desu ka? Sono kurai ni Oh, gee, you're very good. Wow. I was going to ask you about the weather. Tenki wa genki desu? Tenki wa Oh, my God, for me, Hi. Hi. Yuki ga I think that's Yuki. Singapore. Singapore. Yuki, na yo. That's right. Did we lose Greg? Did yeah, just, no, I you lost your entire audience because I didn't want you guys to go off on this. Uh, I know once you get Kent, Kent talking and laughing, you can't stop. But uh, now, I think on, it's now, fascinating. That's fascinating that both of you are... We can't see you anymore, Greg. We can't see you anymore. I can. You can you see can him? See okay, him, that's all that matters. Yeah. That's all that matters. <laughs> I've seen him enough. Uh, David, where did you learn? You, did you go to school for your Japanese? Obviously, your wife is Japanese. Uh, how did you develop your language skills? Uh, I, I, I think it was probably through uh, various CIA torture techniques that extended over decades. Um, yeah. It has, it has not been a typical Japanese teacher. Yeah. <laughs> They'll waterboard you. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> I love now your wife. Uh, how's, how's her English? Did she learn her English from you? 
No, 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 no. Um, she, uh, she, she spoke English long before me. I worked really hard on uh, Japanese, and so I was at, when I was, uh, before I started uh, teaching at secondary school, uh, my hours, I started work about one in the afternoon usually, and so in the mornings, um, I dedicated my time to um, studying Japanese. I must have been at every Japanese school in Tokyo, and uh, um, yeah, and so I spent a lot of time doing that. Uh, yeah. All right, so Greg, sorry, I, I'm going to jump in again. I know that I'm I'm taking all of Dave's time here. Uh, so Dave, you're living in Japan. I'm taking a step yep. back here. You're living okay, in Japan. Cool, you've met your you've met your wife. You're married. You've got excellent language skills. The two of you. Her family is there. You have had a number of jobs, and you know you could probably go out and find more jobs in Japan. Uh, what what made you want to leave all that? Because as you know, on our podcast, we know tons of teachers whose Japan is like their ultimate goal to yep. go and live and teach. And uh, in my case, go and, you know, the maid cafe and the cat cafe and the manga and the anime. So what is it that, that you appear to be living the dream life there in Japan? What made you think, uh, you know what, let's just, uh, let's make that transition to, to Sri Lanka. Was, was the Yakuza after you or maybe your wife's parents? Um, well, her parents were members of the Yakuza, so I think that... <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, it's, um, I think it's, well, I, it's, a, it's a variety of factors. At that point, I'd been in Japan for quite a while, and it was time to, I thought, to, to, to you know, experience living in another country. Like I said, we, we really loved Singapore. But another side of that, too, was just, um, I didn't, I didn't really know if, there, if it was a, a feasible route to continue teaching in Japan. I knew, I knew you know, ever since I started teaching that this is what I wanted to do. Um, there's nothing else that I wanted to do. And I thought that I'd pretty much reached the top of the game uh, where I was at the high school. I was working at a, you know, a great high school that specialized in English education. It was the best, pla the best place that I could, could think of. I didn't want to go into university. I, I ended up doing a master's degree in teaching um, English, and so I, you know, I, I had a, I had a, a master's in TESOL from a brand name university. I didn't want to go teaching into university, and that's what a lot of teachers in Japan do: is they end up going uh, and teaching at the university level. I love uh, high school and, and middle school, and I wanted to stay at that level. And I thought um, really the best opportunities for me were um, outside of Japan. I just didn't see many career prospects. But I, I recognize your point and appreciate it. A lot of people do want to move to Japan. And, uh, you know, being in Japan is like, a, you know, once you're there for a while, it's like a biker gang. You never really get out even after you leave the country. You're still, you're still always drawn back, and, you know. And you talk to people that have lived in Japan and they, they get this reminiscent, wistful look in their eye and say, ah, oh, yes. Japan, maybe one day I'll go back. So we ended up after, um, now the, Kent, this is gonna throw you off again because uh, there's, there's another character to the story, but after living in Singapore for a while, our son was born. And, oh, um, congratulations, yeah. Well, that was 12 years ago, but thanks, I'll tell him. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just finding out now, what? I thought we were so close, David. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, we did, we did send you a card, but... Uh, <laughs> so uh, about three years after he was born, we did go back to Japan. Okay. And uh, I, I went to a, an international school there. Oh, you did? Oh, okay, yes. Let me ask you a question about your family then. And sure. it's a link. It's a language based. We're talking about language here. Your yep. wife grew up speaking English and Japanese and probably other languages. You have she did. She didn't grow up speaking English. Um, she she um, after high school she went to uh, to uh, 
like an English language college and uh, learned English there. All right. Like I said, your wife didn't learn English until after high school. And <laughs> yeah, you, sorry, you yeah. learned Japanese along the way. I, I yeah. do have a very good question, though. And, and this has to do with it's your about family. Time. About, All right. Good. Yeah. yeah. It's about time one of us did. <laughs> I've been wanting to ask you for years. Because <laughs> I, I didn't get birthday cards either. I mean, seriously. Yeah. So, when you're mad at each other, what language do you guys speak? Oh, okay. Well, you know, there's so many questions that you could have asked about language, and you went with the uh, the, 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 viol- the violence and the conflict. <laughs> when you're when you're in conflict or when you're emotional, and it doesn't even have to be a fight. When you're excited, when you are emotional, and I speak other languages, but I will, you know, I might veer off into my my mother tongue. And like my mom doesn't know this, but I actually got into fights with a girlfriend down in Venezuela in Spanish. I mean, I could rip her a new one just by. You know, in Spanish, I was right up there. You know, my mom thinks I can only order food, but we would only speak Spanish together. Yep. Uh, Just wondering about your family environment. You don't even have to talk about fighting, but your family environment, your son and your wife and you, do you guys talk English and Japanese, like pretty much back and forth? All right. Well, my family has the misfortune of uh, having a husband and a father that uh, teaches English language for a living. So, of course, I brought in... Um, How horrible. The, the language rules into the family. And even before Noah was born, how awful is this? We, my wife and I had language rules um, because we both wanted to improve, um, you know, our, our, uh, our, our, our languages, Japanese and English. What, what it used to be, before my son was born, my wife and I would speak Japanese on the, the weekdays and English on the weekends. And we kept that up for years. And then uh, after my son was born, the rule is one parent, one language, uh, you know, uh, typical home, la- home language maintenance rules. Um, and then when my wife and I speak, we speak in Japanese. So to get back to, to your question, when we fight, uh, we fight in Japanese, which ensures that I lose the debate, the argument every time. <laughs> And she really has no problem with the unfair advantage. David, my wife and I have language rules too. I'm allowed to speak with permission. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you're allowed to speak. (laughs) At least I'm allowed to speak. Go ahead. David, does your your son speak both Japanese and English then? Yeah, yeah. We're, um, we, we made the decision when he was born to uh, raise him in a bi- bilingual and a bicultural home. He, uh, well, you know, he's like me. I have a um, Japanese father and an American mother. Oh, okay, okay. So, so he's half, half. speak. I'd like to think he's, he's whole. Listen, my father is Japanese. He does not speak Japanese, okay? They, okay. Uh, he's the 10th of 10. Um, in America, you know, his grandparents had come over and by the time he came around, they just stopped trying to, uh, he just was all English because his brothers and sisters were talking to him. They were interned for the three years in World War II and he just came out with English oh. only. So uh, his parents, he did not have a common language with his own parents. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And hence the reason I talk about family and language, because not only are you a language teacher by trade and it's also a passion for you but i know that kent and i both hold languages very dearly i mean it's a great conversation that's gone way off to that end but it's so important because when you're overseas with your family it it matters a lot how your how your family unit you know sticks together and uh one follow-up question then what language does your son prefer um english for sure well, he went to a Japanese kindergarten um, when we were, we were in Japan, but as soon as he hit grade one, he started his international education. And uh, so he's, he's been in English medium schools. Right, like most of the international schools are English, are English lingua franca, meaning that you learn in the language. There might be other languages surrounding you, other mother tongues. Our school has probably 50 different mother tongues, but we speak in English when we teach and when other kids are together. And it's that bridge that everybody shares. And of course, it's the number one language for certain things in the world. Yeah. One follow-up comment I was going to say, I can empathize with that only because, and this comes up from Venezuela once again, in my history, I was hanging out with a family a lot. And Chris and his wife, Ama, that live in China right now, their boys were growing up and they were probably three and five. And I asked Chris one day, I said, who, who is Canadian? 
first of all, English-speaking Canadian, and his wife was Venezuelan. So their kids were growing up in an international school around grandpa and grandma in Spanish a lot too, right? They were locally there, and his Canadian parents in Canada had their influence. But I asked Chris one time, what language do your kids prefer? And he said, well, it's not that they prefer it, but if you want to learn and see what a child speaks normally, go to a sandbox when they're younger. You know, and of course, that's going to change over time, but I was so fascinated with that. He's like, yeah, well, there's no pressure, there's no instruction, there's no other, no rules, whatever, you know, and the two boys would play, they would play in Spanish. And, and I'm sure that's changed. I can't wait to get him on the podcast, but it was a, it's a good connection with family and language. And I'm sorry if I pried too deeply about you fighting in, in Japanese, but no, no, that not is at all. so just... cool. I love <laughs> no. that. You've done no, a great no. job, it sounds like, with your Japanese. If you could just, yeah, relay that to my wife, I'd, I'd appreciate it. If you could just tell her. Well, if I how... start getting, you know, notices about you having children and, you know, I mean, if you quit leaving <laughs> us out of this whole equation of birthday cards, I might. Hey, that ends today. That ends oh, today. <laughs> the new relationship has started. Welcome to our family of, of education overseas. That's what our podcast is all about. All right. Happy to be part of it. Yeah, no, uh, a quick question. How big is the uh, uh, Japanese expat community in uh, Singapore? Very big, very big. So if uh, you remember I said that um, my wife had said, told me that if we moved to Singapore, she, she, part of the deal is she gets to go back. Well, one of the reasons that she didn't go back was because it was so easy for her to uh, fit in with the, with the Japanese community here and to find friends. And we're members of the Japanese, uh, the Japanese Association, with, um, the Japanese Club, which has its own library and restaurants and things like that. So it's very easy to live here um, as, as a, uh, you know, and be part of Japanese culture, retain that. And for the listeners that have never been to Singapore, don't know much about Singapore, I've only been there for a little bit. Could you tell us what are the main languages that, uh, maybe the main government languages or the main languages that you would normally hear around Singapore? Sure. Singapore has four official languages, um, Mandarin, wow. Chinese, mm -hmm. um, English, uh, Tamil, and uh, Bahasa Malayu or uh, uh, Baha um, um, Malay Malaysian, Malay, yeah, the Malaysian language. That was English, Malay, Mandarin, Chinese, and Tamil. The last one and Tamil. Tamil. Yeah, yeah. That is fascinating. So the government, the government writes all of its documents in those four languages. You'll see those four languages around. I'm sure you hear lots of languages though, because when I was there, I heard. You know, any language in the world seemed to be in Singapore. It's a hub of communication. It's yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's such a privilege to live here. It um, I, I don't know if the stats are still accurate, but uh, about one fourth, I think, of the population are uh, are foreigners or, or immigrants, and so there's just such a, it's such an international place to live. There was a place that we used to live in on, in our first time here, and I remember I used to sit outside at night and read or or do something, and I would just listen to. Uh, we lived on a corner. And I would listen to the, overhear the conversations of, of the pedestrians as they walked by our place. And really, without exaggerating, you know, somebody would walk by, a couple would walk by and they'd be speaking in Mandarin. And then the next couple would be speaking in Bahasa. And then we'd hear French. And then, you know, it'd be English. And w within the span of an hour, you would hear, you know, six or seven languages. It was really incredible. So is the majority of business done in English? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. In English, I think, is the dominant language. I, I say that. Um, I, I think there's quite a bit that also goes on in Mandarin as well, though. But English is um, is is what what uh, you deal with the most here. We'll take a moment's break now to remind you how to reach out to us. Of course, you can address any negative comments to Kent, the cat guy. We do love to hear from you. If you're out on Facebook, we don't do that, but our handle on both Instagram and Twitter are at ITPExpats with an S, I-T-P-E-X-P-A-T-S as a handle. If you want to, you can send us an old email at internationalteacherpodcast at gmail.com, or you can visit us at our new website at www.itpexpat.com www.itpexpat 
Com. Well, back to the show. What is it that uh, you fell in love with about Singapore? Tell us a little bit about um, what it is about Singapore that draws so many people to it. Oh my God, where 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 do I start? Um, I I tell my students that I write a love letter to Singapore uh, daily. Um, I'll start with uh, just the the flora and the fauna. Uh, there was a display that we had, there was a display that we went to in the Botanic Gardens, which is an absolutely uh, incredible, uh, verdant uh, <laughs> place in the, in the country. It's, it's beautiful. And there was a display of how Singapore had changed in terms of greenery since, uh, since it's been a country. And Singapore might be the only country or one of a few countries that has actually become greener since, since it, it began, since its founding, right? And you notice that as soon as you leave the airport, it, you're just you're just hit. You're overwhelmed with an array of, of colors and, and flowers and trees, and it's it's just beautiful to be here. And so you're 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 in nature all the time. That's one of the things. It's so easy to get around. Um, public transportation is only comparable to places like Japan. The food is incredible. It's an international city. Things work. Here. Things work well, you know, systems work and uh, you don't have the hassle of living in other places where things don't work. So there's, there's really a lot, there's a lot to love about Singapore. I remember being in Singapore, David, I'll let you continue, but I wanted to comment. The first time I've ever been in a, in a city or country that I was waiting for the bus and I got a local SIM card for the two weeks that I was there to visit my friends that had left since I was coming. <laughs> Long story. I remember sitting at the bus depot or at the bus stop, and I got a text, and it said, your bus is, is 30 seconds away. <laughs> I couldn't believe And that was back in 2007 when I was visiting. I had gone there for yeah, Christmas, yeah, yeah. New Year's. I remembered going along the beaches. The, the floor and fauna was amazing. And I compare it to... The only place that I've been to that I can compare that to, besides like Disney World, which is sort of fake, but uh, Switzerland was very similar in my mind because I think of the details. It's like writing. It's the details that you include in your story. So Switzerland and Singapore are two countries in the world that I've been to where people pay attention to that little blade of grass mm. that's on that little triangle between mm. two streets that everybody else would ignore around the world. And yeah. those two countries have such detail in everything they do. They have high taxes. They have a whole different world, but it's very safe. There's a lot of rules, but it's a place that people just don't want to leave. And it's, yeah. it's just a Shangri-La, I guess, if you want to call Shangri-La. It's, it's a wonderful experience. Yeah, I would agree with all that. So have you been to Switzerland before? Nope. Um, I haven't, uh, haven't been in Europe very much at all. Okay, well, so that brings up my next question. Where do people go since it's such a hub? Yeah, maybe you can maybe you can speak for yourself actually instead of everybody because it's so tough. Where where do people <laughs> go on vacation if you're in this wonderful place, Singapore? Um, Bali is very popular in Indonesia, and um, Thailand. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of trips to Thailand. Um, Maldives, uh, when you have a bit more cash, Maldives is also a, a good place to go. Uh, Malaysia is right next door, so um, one of the things that we did when we first got here is we would uh, we'd just take a bus, a local bus, to the border of Malaysia, go through customs, walk across. When we got to the Malaysian immigration, we'd walk from, the, from Malaysian immigration to a hotel on the, on the border and, and uh, stay at a hotel for a night and do some stuff right there uh, in the city, and then take a bus back to Singapore. So it's that, it's, it's that easy to, to travel. And there's a lot of difference in the cost of being in Malaysia versus that's the cost right. of being yeah. in Singapore. That's one of the draws, right? Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. And have you been to Borneo then? Have you been to see what yeah. that's like? Well, um, one of the international schools that I worked at uh, my first time in Singapore, we took the grade 11s to, um, to Sarawak. Which, um, yes, and we spent a week there. The school you work at now is it yep. a mixture of nationalities for your student body and a mixture for your staff? Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, yeah, we I work at a very international school. Uh, and it, it, 
you know, some school, some international schools have a dominant population of, of one, um, you know, one nationality. Um, we, we have, a, we have a, so many kids from all over the world. Um, I think we, probably now, which is true, is going to be true, is true of a lot of Singapore schools and will continue to be true. Um, we have a large uh, mainland Chinese population, but we also have uh, so many different nationalities there. Uh, this, the staff, I would say, is, is pretty international um, as well. Typical of a lot of international schools, many of our teachers are from uh, English-speaking Western countries, but not exclusively by any stretch of the imagination. We have a lot of Singaporeans um, and um, a lot of a lot of Kiwis because Kiwis are my favorite to work with. I think that they do. Their lifestyle is just like let's enjoy life, right? I I think (laughs) it's it's really important when we talk about all of our schools and our experiences in the past. It's important to know, and we've talked about different times, we've talked about international school differences, but to hear that you have an international school population of students, as well as a staff that's a, a big mixture, I think that's it's, it's a unique opportunity, not unique, it's, it's a very special opportunity that some schools have overseas. Not everyone's like that. Our school mm. right now, it's a profit school, like you work at a profit school. Our school is very Canadian-American, and we have a smattering, just a smattering of students, I mean, of, of staff that are from other countries. And that's the staff I'm talking about. But right. our student body is worldwide. We have, like I said before, we have a lot of mother tongues. So Kent and I work in a, in a, well, among a staff which is predominantly American. And it's, it's a little unfortunate. I, I can't change that, of course. And I totally love the school I work at. But I'm, I'm looking for... In the future, I'm looking for another school that was very international, right, as a staff as well as a student body. If I may jump in, um, it's pretty easy where Greg and I work that the families are here uh, because of a single industry, really, here in our region. Uh, What are the industries in uh, Singapore that bring families, uh, their parents? Is it finance? Is it... um, manufacturing government. what do these government diplomatic what brings families to uh, your school and your uh, to singapore all of the above and more also there's a lot of tech um, but there are a lot of multi uh, multinational corporations that have offices or headquarters here um, so it's uh, it's hard to pinpoint um, just one industry it's just it's really a wide array of everything, um, you know, there's there's Facebook and Amazon, and there's there's oil here. So usually the the fellow Texans that I meet are from Houston because of of the oil. And then the, you know, uh, my son was uh, ha- was best friends with a kid whose father was working for L'Oreal, you know, regional regional work. For, and so it's just any anything and and everything. They're all in in Singapore because of the ease of uh, travel and uh, connections. I looked it up recently. There are 6 million people, according to 2023 stats from somewhere on the net, that there's 6 million people. And it's a very small country, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I have that somewhere here, too. The, the density is like, I can't even tell you. I can't. I'd have to look it up. But it, it's a small country that you can get from one end to the other real quickly. It's, it's fascinating that, that that many people are there, and it's such a beautiful experience. Is there something that's hard to get used to in Singapore? That's a good question. I mean, it sounds like this perfect place. Is there something? Yes, the, the weather. It's, um, it's, uh, it's about 30 degrees Celsius every day. Um, and it's, it's humid, very, very humid. Um, yep. so mm, you, I think, uh, you know, we've gotten used to it. Um, but if there's one complaint that is very common, it's, it's the weather is very difficult to adjust to. Yeah. Uh, when I got back from the Maldives and landed here in the Middle Eastern desert, I'm like, whew, it's good to cool off a little bit. <laughs> 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 so uh, for our listeners, tell us, uh, um, uh, what, what do you teach, uh, David? Currently. Currently, I'm teaching EAL, English uh, as an additional language. Um, I'm head of uh, department for high school EAL. And so, does that mean you spend most of your, do you spend a whole day 
uh, instructing or is it more of an administrator type of role? Uh, a lot of my time is spent, uh, most of my time is spent in the classroom. This year it's, it's classroom based, um, but usually my role also includes uh, support with uh, supporting teachers. Actually, I do have one class where it's a, with student support, but I'm not doing as much support as I normally do with uh, helping teachers address the needs of uh, English language learners. But uh, so this year I'm working mostly with students. Okay, and so you said you're at the high school level. That's nine, 10, 11, 12th grade? That's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about activities? Are you uh, uh, doing extracurricular stuff? Is there a large uh, sports, uh, what's it like? We, uh, our school has uh, a large, a, a large variety of sports. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not involved in sports um, just because uh, never been very good at them. But uh, let's see, what am I involved in with after school activities this year? I'm uh, running uh, English, I was, I'm not running English language learning um, CCA. I was doing an English, uh, English and a Mandarin language exchange. I had a, a brilliant idea and it flopped, um, like most of my brilliant ideas. Uh, I had this wonderful idea where all the kids who were non-native Mandarin speakers would get together with all the kids who were non-native English speakers who were also Mandarin speakers and we'd come together once a week in a sharing of different cultures and languages and we'd all progress together and three kids showed up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, maybe at least two of them knew one language, the other one, maybe it still worked out. <laughs> I have a no, story to more. share. Can Hold I share on, story? one more question. Uh, all right, go on. <laughs> yeah, your name's on the it. podcast. You get to share your story. <laughs> this has this is a piggyback off the of your ITP story. with Greg Lemoyne and company. <laughs> oh my god, this is just Come okay. on, I'm sorry. My piggyback story is my first or second year of teaching was in Honduras and I had about 32 fifth graders in a classroom. Most of them were bilingual very few were just, you know, starting with English. They were all going through the same school from pre-kinder all the way up and, and beyond. So my brilliant idea, like yours, was to mesh the two languages. So I said, I have EAL and ELL was my background back in the States as well as elementary school. And I reached out to a friend of mine and I said, how about if we have my native Spanish speakers that speak a lot of English in this classroom, how about if I reach out to you and your first language English speakers reach out and try to do an English and Spanish exchange. She's like, oh boy, this is a great idea. So we reached out and she connected me with another uh, homeroom that was very, very much English speaking, you know, Midwestern, Caucasian, like I've never spoken, I'm taking Spanish. And she, she and I worked it out so that back in 2000 or so, that I would collect all the writings from my students and scan them and send them to the other teacher so that we could have a little control. Now, what they did, the other teacher did the same thing. She sent back responses. So each kid would write something, they'd respond and bring it back to me. And then I would say, I'm going to read it out to the class and they can enjoy my Spanish. So I was reading, I got to the third one I was reading in front of the class. And I said, hello, you know, in, in Espanol, I was like, you know, hello, my name is you know, my name is Sarah, and I am I am 13 years old. And in Spanish, you have to say años, which means year. So in Spanish, you have to say tengo uh, tre trece años. And oh my God, I got up in front of the class, and in front of all these fifth graders, I said, I said 13 años, trece años, which means like asshole. <laughs> so I stood up in front of this class. I know this is a family message here, but I got up in front of a class of, fifth, of 32 fifth graders and said, hi, my name is Maria, and I have 13 assholes. Great. It was so great. <laughs> I, it was one of those many mistakes and failures that we do as teachers. Very innocent, but I don't think anybody will ever forget that one, including myself, right? Well, failure. That's probably, probably a good thing that you stopped that program. 
I stopped right there after that word. I couldn't continue because they're all laughing all day at me. I didn't even teach math after that. Every class was pretty much exempt for the rest of the day. Let's just sit around and talk about Mr. Mr. Lemoyne right there. Yeah, yeah. I know Kent yeah. has some failures too. Come on, Kent, share a failure story. <laughs> oh, uh, you know I got too many to uh, listen. Then let's move on to 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 a. Let's Hold have him on. do another story. Let's have him you, do a, a story you for us. You want to have him do a story? Well, we have something else on our show that we always do, and hopefully he prepared one. I'll put you on the spot, David. Can you yep. share a police story with us? I've got tons. Or customs. <laughs> Love it. It's a life of a wanted man. This is why I'm in charge, Kent. <laughs> I'm um, sorry, the ITP yeah. with Greg Lemoyne and others. You, you tell me you tell me how many uh, how many police stories you want. Yeah, give us All the right. top two. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. I stand out in Japan by the way that I look. Uh, it's, it, you guys may no. have not noticed, but uh, I don't. I don't blend into uh, the Japanese population very easily. Uh, I'm gonna guess too. Uh, I know this is just video, but I'm gonna guess that you're you're maybe on the taller side. Yeah, and muscular too. No. Okay, um, we'll take this that. Is all we'll audio. With that. You can sell it any way you want. This is all audio, buddy. He's six foot five, Arnold Schwarzenegger here. Uh, I'm gonna say you could come in at six feet over there. Gosh, am I handsome? Um, <laughs> no, right, I'm sorry not, to interrupt. You not, stick not, out. You do stick out. Not not tall. Not tall. I just don't blend. I don't blend into a Japanese population very well. So I was on my way home from work when I was at the uh, at the high school one day, and um, just to set the scene, we wore dress shirts and ties. That was just part of the dress code. So. I'm coming home from, you know, because we're wearing, uh, because we have to dress professionally, my bag was also a briefcase because I, I always thought it was weird to, you know, have like a, a backpack when I'm wearing a suit and tie. So I, I have a briefcase and I have a tie and I have a dress shirt and I'm, I'm walking home from the train station and uh, I'm taking a little side road. It's not the main street and uh, I see two men approaching me from the opposite direction and uh, they looked like you know uh, typical uh, business businessmen I didn't think anything of it until they got close enough to ask me to stop and they said uh, can you please stop we just like to know where you're going we're police and so this is not the first time that I've been stopped by police because of the way that I looked in Japan. So I had a strategy. And like my plans, my strategies often fail big. So my strategy was to immediately just pretend like I don't speak Japanese. So I said, uh, why are you stopping me? I'm just on my way home. I'm, I'm, I just got off of work. And I thought that would show them. And they said, uh, we need you to speak in Japanese, please, we're the police. And I said, oh, okay, I'm very sorry, okay. And <laughs> I started speaking in Japanese because I was a little int intimidated by their polite demeanor. So, so uh, they said, uh, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm just, going, I'm just going home. And they said, well, where do you live? And I said, well, why are you stopping me? Because I'm an American citizen, and I know my constitutional rights. You know, this is what I'm thinking, right? I didn't well, that, say that. That's going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They said, well, where do you live? And I swear to God, um, there's a phrase in Japanese that you can, you can just say, uh, uh, which just means over there. I live over there. And I just said, over there. And that was enough to, to, to sate their curiosity. I just said, oh, oh I live over there. Okay, fine. What are you doing? I'm, I'm coming home from work. And then, um, and then I, my confidence and courage started to build a little bit. And I said, um, I need to know why you're stopping me because I'm not doing anything wrong. Wow. And they, they said, um, well, there's been a robbery in, in, the, uh, in the area. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking, was the guy who robbed the, the, the whatever they robbed wearing a tie? Uh, but... So I said, can you please show me your badges? 
And um, they, they did show me their badges and I wrote down their number. This was just the stupidest way I could have played this out. I mean, you know, they, because they, they could have just, they could have carted me off and kept me for um, interrogation and that would have been within, uh, within their power to do so and that would have been perfectly legal. For, they could have done that for a certain amount of time. So, stup stupid of me. And I took down their badge number and um, finally I, I got out of the situation and I went home and I, I asked my, my wife, I think we were married at the time, I, asked, I said, could you please call the police station and um, report these guys because um, this is absolutely unacceptable. And uh, she did. Uh, it took, it took a, a little bit of convincing. Um, she, she said, just let it go. Don't, don't pursue this. And I said, no, this is, this is not right. <laughs> and uh, so she, she did. She called the police station and she got in charge of a captain or whatever. And um, he, he managed to, she managed to an extract an apology out of him, but he wouldn't give it direct to me, but he did apologize to her. But in all fairness, in Japanese culture, it's not hard really to get somebody to, <laughs> to apologize, right? You look at somebody um, by mistake and you say, I'm, I'm sorry or whatever. So uh, anyway, it was enough, it was enough to, to, to calm the situation. But uh, I got well, stopped for that was the last time you were in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, let me take a step back here. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by the story now. Um, okay. uh, number one, you know, most of the time in in uh, cultural references to the police in Japan, they're the they're the guys that are uniformed, riding the bike, maybe in the in the uh, the koban koban, which is the what the box, yep. the police box. Yep. The but these guys, yep. these the neighborhood police box. But these guys are what like detectives or I mean, just like plain Something. clothes suits. And yeah. Uh, uh, first of all. Why did they assume you spoke Japanese? Because most people in Japan, they come across a white guy, they're thinking, this guy doesn't know a thing. So I'm just curious why they knew you spoke Japanese. I don't know if they, uh, they knew it. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what was going through their head. They just, uh, they, they just, you know, they said, we need you to speak Japanese. And um, lucky for them that I, I did. I think what I figured out later, or what I believe, came to believe later, was um, it was really an inst it, it was a power play, and one of the cops was older, the other one was younger, and I think the older one just wanted to uh, to to show the younger one uh, how powerful he was, and it was a display of authority in order to impress uh, the younger the younger cop. Yeah. Wow, that's a great story. I love that. That's one of my favorite. Uh, police stories. Now, your, your second police story starts with a knock on the door that says, why did you call my captain? <laughs> yeah, in, the, in the middle of the night. Yeah. In the middle of the night. All right, Greg, any, any comments about that police story? <laughs> I mean, I'm just amazed, and I, I think it's funny. Did you, was there anything, there's nothing like bribing or anything, is there, in that culture? No, 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 no. No. Because I was living, I was, I'll give you the brief version of my you know, older cop, younger cop uh, oh, okay. ex yeah. experience. I was in Honduras, and this is maybe my third year of teaching there and living there, and I had gotten some street Spanish. So I went to get internet cable in a different part of the city, and it was not a very good part of the city, but they had cable that I could set up because we were splitting cable. We'd buy one, one uh, cable for and then split it between four apartments and my guards wanted we had 24-hour guards in a little shack and they wanted to watch tv and have internet so i went and got some cable for them oh, and nice. i walked in it took me like yeah it took me like two minutes to go in and get the cable yeah i went in got 50 feet of cable and came back out and i was you know alone doing this in some barrio and <laughs> there's two there's one cop sitting on the hood of my car and what I didn't know is that they had been enforcing a new parking law that you had to buy these little parking sheets <laughs> and you put it on your dashboard. And we're talking about $17, 17 to the dollar. So 17 lempiras to the dollar at the time. And these little chits would cost like, 
I don't know, 40 cents, maybe 20 cents, 20 cents for like an hour. And I didn't have it on my car. So the, the point of my story is I came out there and bribery, it, it does work down there in some parts of that city in San Pedro Sula. It's very impoverished. So there is a mode of like paying off the police for things. And I was like, okay, first I tried to explain what was going on. We did it all in Spanish. I didn't pull the stupid gringo uh, and switch to English until I got really <laughs> stuck after about 40 minutes. So I was 40 minutes talking in Spanish, oh, saying, wow. he's like, where are you from? And I said, I'm from this part of the city and this part. And we, we went talking, and he was adamant about pulling the power play that I had not followed the rules. And I tried to, to bribe him and give him, I pulled out some cash. I pulled out like, you know, 100 limpiras, and all of a sudden... Right next to him is this short, stocky, little older guy, like he's captain. And the guy looks at me and says, you can't bribe us. Oh. He's like, we need to write him up and take I'm like, oh, my God. I'm going to get thrown into a hundred jail for trying to bribe a guy for a 40, like 20, per, 20 cent little chit and a parking ticket for all things, right? But what happened was he had a roll of them. The captain had a roll of them in his pocket. And I said, hey, you know what? How about if we just solve this whole thing? I'd like to buy about a week's worth of parking passes from you. Could I do that? You have some in your pocket. And he's like, well, yes, uh, we could do that. And so I paid him the money for about a week's worth. Of, I don't know. I pulled out like a couple hundred limpiras out of my pocket and paid him for this long roll that I never used again. But the rule of the story is don't bribe anybody in other, unless you really know what you're doing. But that was the young cop and the old cop, and it was me in the middle of it. That uh, little uh, two uh, minutes turned into about an hour and a half of argument. That's a nice what save. What I love about that uh, older cop is he was able to get an extra 100 out of you. That younger <laughs> cop would have just went with the 100. The older guy says, no, let's fleece him for more. <laughs> oh, I totally got fleeced, but it was their method. So they got to save face, right? It was not a bribe because I ended up buying tickets from them, right? So that was the big deal there. So I'm glad I came up with that. Wow. All right. Kent, you're uh, up. Nope, David's second story. I want to hear David's second story. His, oh, really? <laughs> his one story is better than anything I have. All right, let's go for it, David. All right, well, um, I think since we're on the, the, the motif of bribery, we'll stick with that. Um, so this is in Thailand, and um, I was riding the scooter, and I is when I rented the scooter, I checked that... Um, Everything was legal. I, my American driver's license, in my, on my American driver's license, I am actually licensed to drive a, a scooter, a little motorcycle, right? So when I went to go rent a scooter in Thailand. I made sure um, that I was doing everything correctly. Um, wore my helmet. And so I'm on one of the busier streets in Thailand. This is in Chiang Mai. And I'm driving. And there's a police stop. And they're checking something. And the, the police officer comes to me and says, uh, do you have a Thai, Thai driver's license? And I said, no, uh, I have an American driver's license, but I rented this scooter and the, the people there said that the American driver's license was sufficient. And he said, well, that's unfortunate because it's not. And I said, uh, okay. He said, um, what I'm gonna ask you to do is uh, I'm gonna get back into my car and I need you to follow me. I'm going to take you to jail now. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I love this story. <laughs> well, um, needless to say, I did not have the same reaction that the both of you just had. Um, but for, for whatever reason, um, I wasn't, really concerned. I think I was just caught up in the moment of living, living, living adventurously and being in Thailand. And I thought, cool, <laughs> I get to go to a Thai jail. And <laughs> you broke rule number one, stay out of jail. Number two, stay out of the newspaper. And number three, stay out of, out of hospitals. Go ahead. Yeah. Number four is don't share your police stories on international <laughs> teacher podcasts. <laughs> So did you follow him to the police So he station? looked at me and he said, I need you to follow me to jail. And I said, 
okay. And then he, he looked at me like I was an idiot because I was an idiot. Like nobody says, okay, I'll follow you. I'll f who says, who says, yeah, sure. Show me where the jail is. Why don't you just let me walk in, close the door and I'll lock it myself. So I said, yeah, okay, 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 I'll, I'll follow you. And then he says, um, all right, why don't you come over here? So I, 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 he, he takes me to a place that is a, a little bit removed from the other police officers. And he as says, long as you agreed to go to jail, he's taking you to the restaurant for a meal yeah, first. Yeah, You're yeah. buying. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just hand me your ATM card and tell me your, 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 your he security you number? He brings me off to the side from the other... He brings me, the, yeah. Yeah, he brings me off yeah, to the side. Yeah, yeah. And he, he says, stops uh, on the way to jail. Or, so he begins the conversation with or. Or... Um, you could give me enough money to buy me my whiskey tonight. That's really what he said, and I'll never forget it because it was such an odd thing to say. And I said, uh, yeah, okay, sure. Um, <laughs> I love that. Your first question is, how much whiskey do you drink? <laughs> so I asked, I asked him, uh, how much is that? And he, he said, uh, how much do you have? And I... Um, and you're like, so, oh, wait, let me count it in front of you. <laughs> well, I'm just con continuing on the motif of I am an idiot. So I pull out the money and uh, he, he gives me some number. I don't remember what it was, 2,000 baht or something. And you I showed said, him uh, all of your money? I don't think I did, no. Okay, oh, you, don't have to, uh, you don't have to respond so incredulously, okay? So I... Um, <laughs> but we are. <laughs> yeah, you are. So I said, he said something like 2,000 baht or whatever, and I didn't have the exact change. So I said, um, I don't have 2,000 exactly. Can you give me change? Oh, <laughs> and no. <laughs> <laughs> Can you break a bill? <laughs> And he did. <laughs> did he pull out a cash register out of his oh, car? Oh, I love like, that. Oh, okay, we could. Little change dispenser. You can do a down payment. <laughs> he he gave me change. And did um, you do like copays over the next couple of months or something, or was it just like a one-time fee? No, at that at that point, I just gave him my credit card and said, "Look, officer, yeah, if you need any more money in the this. next coming months, just use this." I mean, <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? So how much U.S. dollars do you think you ended up paying this guy? Oh, it was it was something negligible, like twenty dollars. It's like forty or, to one. Yeah, so, I mean if you right. round it off, or thirty-five to yeah. forty to one for, and you gave him like fifty bucks. Yeah, I don't remember how much bucks. it was exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was uh, it and was enough was to end. keep he me just out of jail. Off. That was Kept it. Kept you out of jail. And Kept it was a uh, whiskey. It was nice. It was a nice conversation. There was no. Uh, there, there was no. But you rudeness, didn't get to no, see the jail. I mean, no, there goes that's, your whole experience. That's one of, yeah, that's one of my. Maybe regrets. if you give him the other fifty bucks, he'd take you to the jail. Hey, there's still time, guys. There's still time. <laughs> I'm going back with you. I want to go on a vacation with you oh, to Thailand. <laughs> I love that. Most people wow. go to ride the elephants, and you go there just to see what the inside of a jail looks like. That's great. I love this whole. It's, it's, it's a research project. <laughs> oh, my God. That's... All right. All right. Enough of the shenanigans. Uh, David, anything else you want to uh, tell the I I ITP crowd? No, it's been really fun talking to you both. And uh, I enjoy your podcast. And thank you so much for, um, for having me on. And, um, well, and, you've been uh, a ton to my of fun here. Greg, anything you want to say before I bring us out? I, I'm still dumbfounded about the story with, and I'm wondering, you know, how much does it cost to get into the jail there now? I mean, if you bribed him to get out of it, I mean, how much would you have made if would he have made if he had actually taken you on a tour, right? Yeah. Thank you so much for being on our show. Yeah, I love your you're sense awesome, of humor. David. I have you a, got a great I have a sense question. of humor. Thank you. I have a question for you. It's a little follow up here. Is there? Uh, do you have a social media that you you can you broadcast? Is there some way people can get in touch with you, or do you want to send it just through us? It's up to you. Uh, anything that you want to share? Um, you can find me and my numerous stories with law enforcement on LinkedIn. That's the, that's how people can find me is on LinkedIn. Um, okay. Yep. And have you written any books? 
you have so many stories. Are you keeping a journal or are you planning on writing a book about your experiences? I am writing a, that's so funny. I, yeah, I am actually writing a book um, about my, uh, my time in Japan right now. Um, oh, so, that's fantastic. Uh, Would you come back on and tell us more about how that book's going and uh, give Greg some advice on how to sell some books that, uh, to more people than just your own family? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to make my mom mad. I, I, I bought one too, okay. Yeah, hey, Greg, you have to come back you, on and get us all. Yeah, Greg, do you think your mom would buy my book too? <laughs> I'll talk her. I'll talk her into it. I'll buy your book for my mom. How about that? I think it's fascinating. I don't think enough teachers write books about their experiences. And once you do have yours published, we will put it on our site. We have a book club for the ITP. We have a, a lot of stuff on our website if people want to check it out. And that's just a good call out for. Uh, how did you how did you know to become a guest on our show, or how did you access it? Uh, through Facebook, um, there was an international there's an international teachers group, and I think that you guys were begging for guests. Oh yeah, that's that's yes. exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, I felt well, sorry uh, you know, for our, you. And the ITP crowd is tired of hearing from the two of us, so I am glad that you responded well, to our begging. Yeah, I'm happy that you reached out to us. Uh, anybody that wants to be a guest like you are, they can go and find us on Facebook. They can go to itpexpat.com and they can sign up directly and either with a pre-interview or they can sign up with an interview. David, I want to reach out, make sure that you get a copy of my book too. I'll send that to you in your email if you don't have one already and we'll go from there. I can't wait to see what your stories that come out because you've been a great guest, a great storyteller, which you, well, you damn well better be if you're an English teacher, right? And I appreciate the fact you've learned the Japanese. So very, very wonderful guest for us. Thank you All very right. much. I really well, appreciate it. Well, let's take us out. David, thank you so much. On behalf of the ITP with Greg Lemoyne and company, we'd like to thank David Schneer, <laughs> our guest this week. Until next time, we'll see you later. I <laughs> say goodbye. Sayonara. We'll say bye. 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 Bye.